Walking with Spirit with Dr. Ruth Anderson on the International Angels Network. Today is Thursday, July 12, 2018. I am your host, Ruth Anderson, and I'm coming to you live from Colorado. I am an author and a spiritual counselor providing individualized transformational experiences for my clients using Holy Fire Reiki, energy work, and connection with the spiritual divinity, including the Divine Mother, Archangels Michael, Gabrielle, and Raphael. Here at International Angels Network, we explore spirituality, angels, spirit guides, our loved ones on the other side, and much more. Our radio podcasts are available to you on Pocket Casts, Pinterest, Player FM, Podchaser, and Stitcher. These are all easy sites to use and make it really easy to listen to our archive shows. Tonight, I am thrilled to have a dear friend, Cassandra Roy, as my guest. This episode of International Angels Network is sponsored by Holistic Light Rejuvenation Center. For more information, visit holisticrejuvenate.com. Sunday Sturgeon is the founder and CEO of Holistic Light Rejuvenation Center and is a host on our network. We are pleased to announce that International Angels Network is now also sponsored by Audible by Amazon. If you go to www.audibletrial.com backslash International Angels Network, you can get a free audio book. So please check that out today. I would like to thank you for taking time out of your busy schedules to listen in. This show is called Walking with Spirit. Walking with spirit means consciously living in the physical realm with frequent connection to the divinity in the spirit realm and being open to all that they want me to experience. Every day I check in with my guides, Divine Mother and God, sometimes seeking guidance, sometimes seeking connection, and sometimes seeking their healing abilities. Many days I receive lessons by hearing, seeing, or feeling signs coming in from the energetic realm. I never know what my day is going to look like or what the next learning might be. Each week I share a story about an experience I had while walking with spirit. This story happened just this morning. I write a recurring newspaper column for the Shelton Mason County Journal, a weekly newspaper for 8,000 subscribers in Shelton Mason County, which is in Washington State near Seattle. I woke up this morning thinking about options for topics about my next journal entry. Then I got the idea of trying to syndicate my column to newspapers across the country. A few minutes later, while I was getting dressed, my thoughts wandered to the idea of doing more animal communication. Let me give you a little background about what I mean by animal communication. I learned how to listen to animals a few years ago. I took a course that was called Animal Communication. I went to the class and sat in a circle with about seven students and our instructor. Jolie would have us meditate, and then she would show us a photo of an animal, and we were energetically to connect with it. At first, it felt funny to try to connect with a dog I had never met, but it really wasn't that hard. Very quickly, we were able to see how we could use our intuitive abilities to ascertain personalities, how healthy an animal was, who their favorite human was, and which animals and humans they didn't like just by reading their energy. As I I had already taken classes on how to understand and use intuition, 
It was a natural progression for me to learn about reading animals. During the course, we read dogs, cats, horses, goats, turtles, and even a snake. It was fascinating for me to feel the difference in the energy between the different species of animals. There is a big responsibility with animal communication. Animals cannot speak for themselves, so the communicator can't verify if what they say or hear is accurate or not. But communicating with pets can answer questions or concerns an owner might have, such as, I'm considering putting my cat down. Is he ready to pass on? We are thinking about getting a new puppy. Which of these two puppies is a better fit for our family? Or, I feel like my dog is part of my soul. Have we had past lives together? Animal communication is one of the services that I provide for interested clients, and I love it. So back to this morning. Once I was ready for the day, I went into my office to meditate. I wake up every morning and and spend time in meditation. I immediately sense the presence of some of my guides. St. Francis was the first spirit that I identified, followed by an archangel who guides me with finances, then Archangel Gabrielle, Divine Mother, and lastly, Archangel Michael. I was surprised to see St. Francis there, as he rarely shows up, but when he does, it always has something to do with animal communication. So I was thinking, animal communication, should I be doing more of it? I heard, yes. I asked, should I be teaching others how to do it? Yes. Should I be mentoring people who want to be doing their own animal communication business? I heard, yes, you have a heart for this work. Should I do a radio show or series on animal communication? Yes. Should I ask my teacher, Joe Lee, to be on the radio? Yes. Are there other people I could ask? How do I find them? And I heard, look on Facebook. I had to laugh. Am I going to be writing a book about animal communication? Yes. I asked, will you lead me to the right people on Facebook? Yes. Should I do more animal communication in my private business? I was told, if you want to mentor others on how to build a business, you should know how. And then write about your clients in the newspaper and magazines for animal lovers. It is a different market than newspapers. I asked Archangel Michael, Divine Mother, and Archangel Gabrielle if they each agreed with this direction for my work. They all answered yes. This morning, I heard that I should syndicate my newspaper columns. Did I hear that from one of you? Who did I hear that from? Archangel Michael, did I hear that from you? Yes. Divine Mother? Yes. Archangel Gabrielle, did I hear that from you too? Yes. My mouth was literally open at the idea of all three guides giving me advice that I hadn't asked for. Then I wanted to know exactly how that happened, and I wasn't even aware of it. Did you all say it at the same time? No. Did I hear it three different times? Yes. I knew I had heard it once when I was awake, but when were the other two? Did I hear it from some of you when I was sleeping? Yes. 
Archangel Michael, did you tell me when I was awake? No. Did you tell me when I was sleeping? Yes. Did you show me in a dream? Yes. Divine Mother, did you tell me when I was awake? Yes. So that was the voice I heard while I was getting dressed. Archangel Gabrielle, did you tell me when I was awake? No. Did you tell me when I was sleeping? Yes. Did you tell me in a dream? No. Did you just say it? I know I receive information in dreams. This has happened so many times, but this feels different somehow. Do you guys do that? Archangel Michael, do you just tell me things in my sleep? Yes. Divine Mother, do you just tell me things in my sleep? Yes. Wow, I thought that I needed to meditate or be consciously tuned in to receive guidance. Wow. Although when I think about it, I know that I've received guidance at times when I wasn't meditating. But this feels so intentional on their part to tell me things while I'm sleeping. I was stunned. Am I that important to you that you come talk to me in my sleep? Yes. Tears came to my eyes. I wondered how long this had been going on. Archangel Michael, did you ever come talk to me in my sleep before I started really learning about intuition? No. Divine Mother? No. Archangel Gabrielle? No. Archangel Michael, you came to me in a dream last night, but have you ever just spoken to me in my sleep? Yes. Archangel Gabrielle, did I hear your words while I was sleeping? Yes. Archangel Michael, did I hear it when you showed it to me in a dream? Yes. Divine Mother, did I hear it when you told it to me when I was awake? No. Ouch. Archangel Gabrielle, is that why you told me while I was asleep? Because I miss things when Divine Mother says them? Yes. Archangel Michael, is that why you showed me in a dream? Yes. Divine Mother, I am so sorry I didn't hear you. Yours must be a small, still voice. Because all I did this morning was get up and get ready. Oh, wait a minute. I laid in bed for 10 minutes, first checking emails and then Facebook. Was I distracted by something else when you told me? I would like to know what I was doing and didn't hear you. Was I still laying in bed when you told me? Yes. Was I looking at my phone? No. Was I looking at my computer? Yes. Gulp. Who else have I not heard because I was nose down looking at a computer screen? My thoughts went to my kids and husband. Was I looking at emails? Yes. Was I on Facebook? No. She then added, I thought first thing in the morning was our time, before the world crept in. I answered with, yes, absolutely, the world can wait. Divine Mother, I hate to ask, but have I missed you saying other things to me? Yes. Is it because I was on the computer at the time? Yes. Is it because I was watching TV? No. 
I didn't think so because I so rarely watch TV. Archangel Michael, have I missed you saying things to me because I was on the computer? No. Archangel Gabriel, how about you? No. A small, still voice, Divine Mother, thank you for wanting to connect with me during the day when I am not even thinking of connecting with you. That is pretty humbling, and I love that. I will be more aware of slowing down and finding quiet with no distractions so I can be listening for that small, still voice. I love you. Thank you for listening. I would now like to tell you about Cassandra Roy, our guest for this evening. Cassandra is a native of Los Angeles, California. With a lifelong love of learning, she pursued a career in education. Cassandra joined the Los Angeles Unified School District as a classroom teacher. It has always been Cassandra's belief that to those who much is given, much is expected. With this in mind, Cassandra dedicated her career to ensure all students, regardless of background or financial circumstances, would be given an opportunity to attend the college or university of their choice. This desire became a reality when she was appointed college counselor at Crenshaw High School in Los Angeles tenure. More than 2,000 students accepted the challenge to not only attend college, but to graduate and give back to their community. Her mantra, I don't care where you go, just go, became the motto for all who came through the college center doors. Cassandra founded the Crenshaw High School Scholarship Foundation. The foundation's goal was to provide additional funding for students who were attending college. Upon retirement from her administrative position with the school district, Cassandra dedicated over a decade of her life to the role of Director of Holy Trinity Child Care Center in Inglewood, California. Cassandra is currently an educational consultant and life coach. In 2001, her husband of 25 years made his transition after a valiant fight with a rare form of cancer. While this experience of loss was at times overwhelming, she was able to not only survive this loss, but grow stronger in her faith walk, a walk that continues to this day. Cassandra continues coming into her season, pursuing her passion of bringing the word of God to others by sharing her testimony with people at conferences, retreats, and workshops. In addition, she is writing a Christian romance novel based on her real-life experiences. Cassandra established Roy Educational Consultants, a nonprofit program where students may receive low-cost or free college counseling services. In addition, she is a member of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority. Cassandra is going to kill me. Sorority Inc., an international volunteer service organization which provides support for women and children. Cassandra presently resides in Englewood, California, and has one son, David, who will attend Yale University this fall, pursuing his Master's of Fine Arts degree. Cassandra and I met almost 30 years ago while I was teaching for Los Angeles Unified School District myself. I was serving as the gifted and talented coordinator for the elementary school I taught in, and Cassandra was representing the district-wide gifted and talented program, so she would come visit me at my school. Cassandra and I ended up presenting at workshops together, which gave me the opportunity to see how amazing she was, both as a professional wife, mother, and friend. 
So without further delay, it is my absolute honor to welcome my dear friend, Cassandra Roy. Cassandra, are you with us? Yes, and I'm not going to kill you about Alpha Kappa Alpha Incorporated. It's okay. It's okay. What a funny thing to stumble on. <laughs> it's quite all right. So, Cassandra, right. thank you for being with us. The title of pleasure. this show, thank you. The title of this show, as you know, is called Walking with Spirit. So, who do you walk with, and how does that impact your day on a daily basis? Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I do walk with Jesus on a daily basis. Uh, he and I have coffee with his father every morning. Mm-hmm. And I listen to my mother who made her transition in 2009. I listen to my sister who made her transition two years ago. Uh, and I listen to whoever else comes to visit me every day. Uh, it could be someone on the street. It could be an angel in human form. Uh, it could be something on the radio. Um, I have a cross-section of angels who protect me and look after me on a regular basis. Do you know them by name? Do you call them by name? Uh Yes. Sometimes I do. Sometimes they come to me as strangers, and I, they don't introduce themselves. They just strike up a conversation. Right. Uh, one of the angels that I know is, um, her name is Sarah, and actually Sarah came and visited me when I had a total stomach hysterectomy in my 40s. Um, I was fearful. I did not know what they were going to find once they got in. Um, But she came to me as a nurse, actually, a beautiful African-American woman who wore an old-fashioned uniform. And uh, we had a wonderful conversation. She asked me if I believed in Jesus Christ as my Savior, and I said yes. And so to make a very long story much shorter, when I got well, I took gifts for the staff that had been so wonderful to me at the hospital, turned out. As far as they knew, this woman never existed. Wow. That was my first introduction to angels walking with me. And um, they have been with me in one form or another ever since. That That is beautiful. And, you know, I've heard that story before, but as you were saying it, I just now got the name. And her name being Sarah. And what is fascinating to me is um, about a month ago, we were out of town and I was spending a lot of time meditating and I was introduced to a new angel and her name was Sarah. And I'm just sort of taken aback right now about that. And I don't know if it's the same one and maybe it is and maybe it isn't, but that's an interesting coincidence. Well, Ruth, I, I have learned in this life, there are no coincidences in the universe, just experiences. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I agree completely. So, Cassandra, as you know, living in Los Angeles was difficult for me. Um, it was a struggle for me with all of the distractions, and I found it just like impossible to grow as a spiritual being while I was there. Um, I never strayed from my moral compass, 
but I wasn't in the right place to be able to thrive as a spiritual being having a physical experience. Now, you grew up in the heart of Los Angeles, and if I'm wrong, but haven't you been there ever since? Did you ever really go away for a period of time? No, I didn't. Uh, summer camp, <laughs> if you want to count okay. that. But, um, no, I have never lived anywhere else. Uh because frankly, I haven't wanted to live anywhere else. Mm-hmm. I love the weather. I think that's one reason why property is so high here because we have, you know, the weather that we do. But I also like the pulse of the city and the things that I'm able to access here uh, in in Southern California. Um, and I have not been called to move anywhere else, frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, I have toyed with the idea from time to time, but I haven't felt the pull or the push of those who divinely protect me to live somewhere else. Well, and frankly, Los Angeles needs angels like you to help other folks. So, you know, they need you to stay there. But how do you key into your creator with all of the distractions that are going on around you? Uh, some days are better than others. But, honest. <laughs> but I, um, I always make time for that to happen. Um, it didn't escape me when you were talking about, um, you know, being on the phone or whatever, when it is time to um, reach out. Mm-hmm. And we have, as a nation, as a world, become addicted to those electronic devices. Right. Um, and frankly, I'm not sure it, it isn't planned. It has not been planned on, you know, at some level. No, I um, totally agree with you. Yes. You know, and I don't, yes, and, and I don't want the FBI knocking at my door, but I, I you know, sometimes <laughs> I do think that. Mm-hmm. Um, back to your question, Ruth. There is peace wherever I go. I can't always, I cannot say it has always been that way, but it's almost like I have a force field around me that allows me to live here in a very um, busy environment and be able to communicate with God and Sarah regardless of where I am. Um Am I fearful about living in Los Angeles? Not really, because I feel divinely protected. However, Mm -hmm. I'm not naive about what can go on. So it's not Mm -hmm. like I will take a walk at 1 o'clock in the morning. Right. uh, Or anything like that, you know, and I I use common sense when it comes to being out late at night or, um, you know, going to areas of the city that, that are not looked upon as being safe. I guess how some people have the ways on their on their cell phones to the app to guide them from place to place. I have divine guidance that will take me where I need to go. Um, last night I stopped at the Vons up the street for me, and I wasn't obedient. Spirit said to go to uh, Walgreens, and I said, "Oh no, it's out of the way. I don't want you know." So I stopped there and. <laughs> Doggone it, if the homeless man 
didn't try to make a hit on me, you know. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, Lord, you know, I, I what are you trying to tell me? <laughs> I was not obedient, you know. Uh, I wasn't frightened. I was tickled. I said, you know, it's a sad day in America when a single woman only attracts a homeless man. Um, oh, sweetheart, you know, and you're I so kinda, beautiful. I, <laughs> That's not the case. <laughs> and I kind of chuckled to myself, you know, when I came out, he was gone. So, uh, you know, mm. I don't know if that was divine intervention. I don't know if it was to teach me a lesson to listen to spirit, you know, whatever. But I just, I chuckled when I went into the store. I'm like, wow, okay, this is deep. <laughs> this is really deep. Oh, ouch. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So you, in your career, have had to deal with a ton of people, whether it's parents, school district administrators, students, um, your sorority friends, whatever. What do, what, when people disappoint you, what do you do with that? Where do you go with that? You know, it depends. Ruth, on the person and the situation, uh, and it depends on how I am affiliated with that person. Um, if I'm close to that person and they have disappointed me, I try to reason it out in my head, or I will talk to that person to find out what went sideways, what happened to make it to make the situation be disappointing for me. And then I have to remember that all of us at all times are going through something. Mm. And maybe it was just an off day. Um, You know, maybe they're not feeling well. And as a a cancer survivor, as well as a diabetic, I I know that that I don't always have good days. So I try to give that person a pass. Now, if it keeps happening with that same person, <laughs> it's time for me to move on. Right. You know, it, it goes back to that adage, you know, disappoint me once, shame on you, disappoint me twice, shame on me. Right. And there are some relationships that I have backed away from because of the continuous disappointment. Um, have I been disappointed by my child from time to time? Absolutely. And I'm sure I have disappointed him. But the anchor the glue that or the fabric that keeps me moving forward with my relationship with my son and with close friends is is that spirit of forgiveness mm. of learning that forgiving is much more healing than holding a grudge right i recently was at a concert actually it was in february and the entertainer saying must change. And my chest just opened up and my spirit just opened up. And I, it, it was almost like of the hurt, all of the pain, everything that I had been experiencing up to that point just left me. Um, wow. And it was, in fact, a spiritual experience in a very natural place or, you know what I'm saying? A very, um, it was a concert. Um, And interestingly enough, at um, Ernie's funeral, that was a song that I requested to have sung. So the irony did not escape me that that song was sung on Valentine weekend 
out, yeah. And why it was sung, yeah. Well, and it sounds like you really received the healing. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So I remember when, when Ernie passed away. So you were raising David as a young man at that time. How did you, mm-hmm. how old was David at the time? Twelve. Twelve, right. And how did you rebuild? And where did your strength come from to rebuild? God, that's the only way I got through it. That's the only way I got through it. To have someone diagnosed in June of 2000 and for him to be dead in February of 2001 could have been overwhelming for me if I had not known God and angels. And ironically, a good friend of mine, Beverly Silverstein, was in a store and um, it was, you know, teacher salary time at the end of the month. And this angel was was there on the shelf. And she kept passing by it and going back to it and passing by it and going back to it. And she bought it and brought it to me. And it was such a source of comfort because it was symbolic of those entities that were protecting me, those unseen and seen entities that were protecting me. So what could have been a devastating experience and it was devastating on on some level but that experience had I let it pull me under it would have and so so in terms of raising David I knew that it was something that I had to do I couldn't give up I couldn't give out and I couldn't give in because this man child who was on the brink of becoming a man needed me Right. And needed everything that I have to offer. Now, I want the listeners to understand that everything happens for a reason. And so my mother raised me as a single parent because my father died when I was nine. Hmm. So I was so glad that I paid close attention to how she raised me. Because a lot of those things I was able to use in raising David. My prayer for him sometimes was, Lord Jesus, don't let me kill this boy. (laughs) Because um, I knew that he was destined for great things. (laughs) Right, right. Uh, Yes, yes. But it was, it. you know, we we did what we had to do for him to get where he is now. Right. And how exciting that he's going on for his master's. That's so cool. Yes, and it's a full ride, by the way. So God stepped in, uh, Sarah stepped in, my mother stepped in, and made it happen. That's the only way it would have happened because um, I was supposed to have a uh, parent contribution of $5,800. And I told David, I said, I can't do it. I'll have to go back to work. And he said, Mom, I'll just go to UCLA. It was not his first choice, but I decided if this was his first choice, then it was my first choice, too. I spoke with the people at Yale, and at the end of the conversation, the director of financial said, Mrs. Roy, don't worry, we're going to make this $5,800 go away. And they did. It wasn't nothing but God. That's all that was. 
And in my experience as a college counselor, I would tell students when they were nervous about getting enough money to go to school, I said, first of all, if God ordains this, nobody can change it. And number two, if the school really wants you, they will find the money to, to bring you there and keep you there until you graduate. So the same experience, the same advice that I gave so many students, I was able to impart on my son. Uh, and um, God is good, That's, you know, and he's able. He's able. Very nice. Cassandra, it looks like we might have a caller. So I just want to remind the listeners that we're not doing many readings tonight, but if you have any questions or want to have conversation with Cassandra, um, please call in. Oh, this is, I'll tell you what this says, Cassandra. So if you, if you want to um, talk to us, please give a call, 1-516-453-9162, and make sure that you press number one to get, oh, okay, our caller hung up, um, to get in the queue. But Cassandra, this is what the caller had said. I wish I had her as my principal in Arizona. <laughs> That's so sweet. It is sweet. Thank you. Thank you. And God's peace to you. Yes, um, so, yes, Cassandra, yes. Let's, we were talking about David. Can we talk about motherhood mm-hmm. a little bit? Absolutely. So, yeah, sure, sure. So we've got a um, five-week mini-series coming up about the Divine Mother. Um, how do you see the Divine Mother guiding us in this pursuit of being an effective mother on earth? Hmm. Well, if we but listen to the Divine Mother and what she is trying to get us to see in terms of our children, I think we would be a lot better off. One of the things that I found um, that dismayed me and broke my heart the, the whole time I was in in the trenches, as it were, was mm-hmm. that parents oftentimes would drop their kids off from preschool and pick them up in 12th grade. Oh, and they right. were amazed at when we sent letters home to say that the kid wasn't graduating because they had failed courses that they needed to graduate in addition to failing the state-mandated um, test to determine if they were ready to graduate. Now, that's a whole other radio show, Ruth, in terms of how I felt about that. (laughs) Um, In terms of motherhood, uh, I got to tell you that it was a gift to me that that I was able to see and to appreciate because before I conceived and and gave birth to David, I had four miscarriages. And the last Mm -hmm. one was um, at seven months. Ouch. Gee. So I had to understand the reason for that heartache and that heartbreak. But to be honest with you, it made me appreciate my son even more. It made me appreciate who I was even more because I was able to survive that. And also to work with other women who had suffered this this travesty, this same travesty. Um, 
And every once in a while I will run into women or, or friends will call me and say, uh, Cassandra, uh, my friend had a miscarriage. Will you talk with her? So I understand the reason why this happened to me is so when it happened to other women, God chose me to be able to reach out. So in that respect, I believe that the spiritual mother that that has has surrounded me and carried me was for other women as well as myself. Um, I'm not going to be arrogant enough to say that I did it all on my own because that's not good. That kind of arrogance will come back to bite you. Mm-hmm. But what it, what, what the experience did do was humbled me and made me realize that, that we can't do anything by ourselves. We have to learn how to ask for help. And I wasn't always good at that. Well, you're a strong woman. I mean, I I can see why, you know, why you weren't always so good at asking for help because you were an incredibly competent, strong woman. So, um, Cassandra, yeah. how do you how mm-hmm. do earthly motherhood and divine motherhood compare? What do you mean when you refer to earthly motherhood and divine motherhood? When I think about earthly motherhood, um, first of all, there is no, I don't care how many books you go on Amazon or Barnes and, what is it, Barnes and Noble? Barnes and Noble dot com, and they have a gazillion books on motherhood. I don't care how many of those books you read. um, It doesn't, those books can't help you at 2 o'clock in the morning when your kid is sick and you don't really know what's wrong. I don't care how much you look up on the um, Internet. And I smile at these millennial mothers, these younger mothers, because the Internet is the end-all and be-all of child care. But I think divine motherhood is the the guiding arc that helps earthly mothers figure out how to work with their children. There is, in the birthing process, a contract that we sign. And, I, you know, I don't care what that birthing is. I don't care if it's, um, in your case, where you adopted those two beautiful girls. That right. was the birthing process. You know, we shared those, those conversations. Or if it's um, a baby that's conceived and born there there is a process that we have to learn to navigate and i call that our contract you know are things in the contract that 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 we do although we swear that when your child tells you at 10 o'clock at night that they have a project due the next day <laughs> that we're not that we're not going to help them there's no, you know, and all the way, all the way to the right. all-night drugstore, whatever, to get the supplies. Don't do this of to course. me again. Don't ask no, me again because I'm not going to do it. But we do. But, <laughs> but we do, and there's a special place in heaven for mothers because we lie <laughs> when we say we're not going to do it. When we say we're not going to give you any more money. 
you know, mm-hmm. when we say uh, I'm not driving you to that party or no, you can't go see that movie or no, I'm not buying a new outfit. We lie because we know mm-hmm. we're going to do it anyway. Um, <laughs> so that divine mother is the one that we turn to for forgiveness and to maintain our sense of humor because she has a sense of humor. She raised up. Right, right. You know, it's just like my mother said, um, I said, Mom, would you help me introduce, uh, uh, interview nannies for David? Because I had to go back to work. And you know that look that your mother can give you, like, have you lost what's left of your mind? Kind uh-huh. of she said, nobody's raising this baby but me. And she oh, quit her job and came home to take care of David. That's what the Divine Mother does. She said, nobody's taking care of you but me. Mm-hmm. So there's no point in you going on the Internet to look up what to do. There's no point in you going and buying a book to read to what to do because if you but listen to me, you can't go wrong. And that comes under raising children, working with children, working with adults, working with ourselves. If we just slow ourselves down and listen to what she's saying, we would be a lot, we would be in a lot less trouble than we are today. I love it when you preach. You are a yeah, natural glory. preacher. Glory. <laughs> glory to God. Glory to God. <laughs> so, Cassandra, I know that one of your mantras is positive parenting is powerful parenting. Can you tell us about positive parenting? Positive parenting can be something as simple as, um, for example, uh, when David moved out last year, I was bereft initially because he had been with me for a long time. And so what I started to do for myself as well as him is send him an affirmation every day via texting. And sometimes he says, that's good, Mom, or I like it, or sometimes he won't answer me at all. And I want people to understand it's not because my son is rude, it's because he's an artist, and a lot of times his mind is not on what I'm saying to him. Um, And then uh, positive parenting is stepping back when you want to smack your child Mm. and giving yourself a timeout instead of the child, Mm -hmm. where you go in your room, you close the door, And you say, Lord, my angels, divine mother, let me calm down enough to have a valuable conversation with my child. Positive parenting can also mean overlooking what you ask them to do three weeks before and it's still there, whatever it is, whether it's raking leaves or whatever, to say, you know what, um, son, you know what, daughter, you know, I asked you to – Rake leaves like three weeks ago, and the leaves are like up to our waist. What's going on? <laughs> you know, and it could be some little thing that's really bothering them that's going on at school or wherever, and they just can't bring themselves to do it. Because what we have to remember is that our children are human, and they are subject to human frailties, uh, human mistakes. You know, they're, they're, they are not the second coming. They are, in fact, human <laughs> beings that have been sent to earth to have, you know, spirits that have been sent to earth to have an earthly experience. And so if we remember that, then we, can't, we can only be positive with our children. 
Uh, so that that is what that's part of what I believe positive parenting is, because if you practice those things, what happens is positive parenting becomes powerful parenting, and not only will it affect your children, it will affect you as well because you will stand a little taller. You won't be as frustrated with your kids. Um, Ruth, you have kids. You know, sometimes you're like, Lord Jesus, just let me walk away. Right, exactly. So nobody gets hurt because orange is not my color. <laughs> Stay out of prison. <laughs> yep, exactly. Yeah. Well, and as yeah. you as you were talking, I was thinking about, you know, all the different positive parenting things that can be done at each of your child stages, as you said, you know, starting with being a baby and the patience that that takes all the way up through, you know, preschool and elementary and middle school with its challenges and high school with its challenges. And yeah, it's as a parent, it's about learning new skills all the time. True. And um, even with my son at 32 years old, I'm still learning. Mm-hmm. Um when David was a little fellow, I took him for his uh, checkup. I think he was two or three. And um, that particular day, work had not gone well. And David decided, and I believe that they can pick up on your energy, right? So well, he decided absolutely. he was going to entertain me. I'm sorry? Absolutely, they can pick up on your energy. Right. So he decided he was going to entertain me so I would forget what had happened at work. Well, it wasn't working too well, Um and so we went into the doctor's office, and she said, and she could see that I was frazzled, and she said, don't you work with teenagers? And I said, yes, as a matter of fact, I do. She said, you just treat him like he's a teenager without hormones. And then when he gets to be a teenager, you treat him like a toddler with hormones. <laughs> and I have never forgotten that conversation. And so I think what we have to do, Ruth, is above all is maintain a sense of humor because that's what saves you when everything else goes sideways. Right. You have to learn to laugh. Now, sometimes your children will be um, offended because they think you're laughing at them when, in fact, you are. But you have to kind of wait until you're out of the room to to, uh, laugh at them because they are funny. And I tell everybody that I meet, I say, do you have kids? Oh, yeah, I said, aren't they funny? And nine times out of ten, they'll say, yeah, they really are funny. Mm -hmm. But children are also sent here to keep us humble. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, Cassandra, in today's world, which is much more challenging now than when David was a baby, how do we as mothers protect, provide, and prepare our children to be managers of life? Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, tell them the truth as much as you can and make the truth age appropriate. Um, I was um, at, a, at a day camp recently, and the child had been asked to, the child's mother was asked to keep the child at home because they hadn't figured out how they were going to fund this child's experience. Um, And what the director of the program said to me was, I don't know why she told her daughter that she may not be able to come back. 
And after I recovered, I said, <laughs> because the mother keeps it real for her. That's right. why she told her. Um, I don't want the listeners to think that I um, have had all the answers then or was always open with my child because I wasn't. But when I realized that I had not been forthcoming with him, I apologized. And that seemed to, it seemed to smooth things out because what he realized is that I was human too. Because a lot of times our children think that A, we're not human, and B, that we don't make mistakes. We need or to let them we, know. Yeah. Go ahead. I was just going to say, or that we won't admit it when we do. Right. 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 And a lot of parents don't. Uh, and that doesn't always bode well at the end of the day. Another thing I think, Ruth, is to have fun with your kid. Uh, we had a, a deal um, when David was growing up, and, and we do it now, not as much, but we do it, he and I do it now, and we called it David's Day, which was on Saturday. And whatever David wanted to do within reason that day is what we did. Um, one time he wanted to eat at McDonald's for all three meals. Well, that didn't quite work out. Yeah. I, I couldn't. I just, I couldn't. But the fact <laughs> is, is that we were able to have a conversation about going to McDonald's three times in one day. Um, and to realize that children are short. They are not stupid. <laughs> so when we try to get over with them, they may not be able to verbalize it, but they know we're trying to run game. They know it. Oh, yes, they do. They know. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, Cassandra, moving on from motherhood, as divine spiritual beings, what can we do to uplift each other and maintain spiritual relationships? Be kind. Be loving. Use love as a guide, and when I say love, what I mean is to listen, to observe, to visualize the outcome, and to empower. Now, you could empower others, and you can empower yourself. Those three things, I believe, are very, very important because listening is something that is a learned art. You can hear someone say something, but if you look into the eyes of the person that you're communicating with, you can tell whether they're listening to you or not or if they have decided that you're not worth listening to. In the observation you can read body language to see if that person is feeling well or if they just want you to shut up and go away or they are open to you. And sometimes when I'm sitting somewhere and I cross my ankles and my arms, I have to laugh at myself because guess what? That means I'm probably not listening or wanting to listen to the person that's talking. I'm mm-hmm. just shutting down. Right. Um. And then visualize what you want, how you want the conversation to end up. 
and you can do the visualization prior to the listening and the observation. If we know, for example, if I if I'm with a girlfriend who um, is going through something, and she asks our advice, and we know clearly that she's not going to take that advice, <laughs> then you you visualize the way that you're going to tell her in such a way that you know that she's not going to listen to the advice. Exactly. I have learned with those kinds of people, I look at them and I say, well, what do you think you should do? So, Because I've had a lot of times, Ruth, where it's come back to bite me because I gave advice and then they get mad because they don't listen and they blame it on me that the outcome was just like I predicted. Um, the empowerment comes in knowing that you know that you know that you know. (laughs) It comes with, it's like when you put on a new dress and a new pair of heels and your hair is is great and your makeup is great, you kind of have a swag that you don't have when you wear a baseball cap two different shoes because you're in a hurry, tennis shoes, mm-hmm. and you have an evening bag because you didn't have a chance to tell you your evening bag. Okay, so do you feel empowered with that outfit on or do you feel empowered with that dress and those heels? Right. You know, heels that say to a gentleman, come here, baby, I want to get to know you better. <laughs> you know? So, yeah. 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 So, Cassandra, yeah. we we just have a couple minutes, like two minutes here, but friendships I know are critical, especially for women. And I know some of your friendships you have had for many, many years. Mine is going on 30. So what does mm-hmm. it mean that some people are in your life for a reason, a season, or a lifetime? It's what's ordained when you're formed in, the, in your mother's womb. Okay. As simple as that. I'm nodding my head yes, because I agree <laughs> wholeheartedly. You can't hear it, but I am nodding my head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. I know our our time is, is over now, but I just want to say I am so thankful for whatever stars lined up way back when that you and I would be in each other's lives, because it's been such a gift to me over over the past 30 years. So thank you so much for for being with me on my journey and glad to be with you on yours. So folks, that's all we've got time for tonight. Cassandra, thank you so very much for being with us. And um, if you want to reach out to Cassandra, she can be reached at positiveparenting at yahoo.com. And thanks for listening in. It's always a pleasure to have you all with us. If you want to join us on Tuesdays at 9 o'clock Eastern Time for Diane Morgan with Angel Navigation, Wednesday's show is called Angel Talk with Sue with host Sue Broom. Saturdays, we've got two shows, one with Susie Parrott out of London, and our second show is with Shishi O'Donnell. Beth Wright is hosting her show on Thursday nights right before mine, and starting Monday, August 6th, we're pleased to premiere Shine Your Light with Teresa Grove. Podcasts will be on Mondays at 9 p.m. Eastern Time, so please check out those other shows. 
I look forward to walking with spirit and you next Thursday, July 19, 2018. Good night and God bless. Good night.